Podcast. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host Iris and I am here with my older brother. Wesley, you thought I was going to do the accent, but I didn't. (laughs) I 100% expect you to at some point in this review. (laughs) Not saying that I won't. Billy Bob Thornton won't even do it. (laughs) He won't? Very rarely. He'll do it on his own, but when people ask him, generally he doesn't like to do it at all. He did it inside the actor's studio. He did it for James Lipton? He did. And famously, he did it in an outtake of Armageddon. No. Yeah, where he's like, damn, meteors is coming for us or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Today we're talking a movie from 1996, Sling Blade. Some folks call it a Kaiser Blade. I call it a Sling Blade. No, he calls it a Kaiser Blade. Oh, right. So the, the Sling Blade is like a scythe, like to mow down wheat and junk. Right. right. You sling it around, which is not. Yeah, it's like a banana. Which is not, which never appears in this movie. There's only one blade that does, and it's a lawnmower blade. But which is a good title. I mean, I think Blade Runner, Ridley Scott was like, oh, we need something cool because the Philip K. Dick novel, Do Androids Dream Dream of Electric Sheep? Not quite as cool sounding. Mm-hmm. So they went with Sling Blade. Based on the short film, Billy Bob's short film, some folks call it a Sling Blade. Right, which I watched and is available on YouTube. It's just more or less his monologue when he's uh, talking to the newspaper ladies. Mm -mm. It's like almost the first 20 minutes of the movie. The reporter, played by Molly Ringwald in the short, that was interesting. Played by nobody in in the feature. No one that I really remember. Well, it can't be distracting, right? I mean, I don't know. Was Robert Duvall distracting as Carl's father? Not at all. I think he fit so nicely in this world. As the kind of rambling, in his long johns, backwoods kind of guy. Yeah. Robert Duvall loves this kind of role. He's a country dude. He's Lonesome Dove or Lone Star and Get Low and Open Range and and perfectly in place, like I said, here in Sling Blade. So I'm finding something weird about myself. I would not want to hang out with these characters and yet I love this kind these kinds of characters. I love these southern backwoods type of movies and characters probably because I don't have to smell them. I remarked in another review that Sling Blade <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton that dude probably smells. Yeah, a quiet place. And and I don't necessarily think he does, but his friends at the auto body shop, right? Scooter and Skeeter or whatever, they definitely smell as nice as they are. That place smells, right? <laughs> and Doris smells. I'm just saying. But I like watching these these Who's characters. Doris? Wasn't that the lady who took him for a walk? 
Oh. I brought you flowers. My feet hurt. $2. I got my discount. Okay. This She reminds me, whatever her name was. I have a very important question going into this review. Can we use the R word? I think you can use it in quotes if people call. I mean, when Doyle, I mean, Doyle slings it around like a blade, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I mean, let's be sparing, but it's what differentiates this movie, maybe from expectations, but also which firmly places it in a kind of movie that Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder might suggest is you know, particular to a place in time where you never go full R word like Sean Penn and I am Sam and Leonardo DiCaprio and what's eating Gilbert Grape. Right. But which stands out as the movie that that kind of opened doors for his ability to act and, and to take other roles. Um, Billy Wilder told Billy Bob Thornton, who was like a waiter at a Hollywood party or something, that he was too ugly to be a film star. And so he rough. Yeah. And so That's he rough. was like, you need to write yourself a screenplay or something and take advantage of your weird look. That's the only way it's going to work for you. And he was like, OK. And he did the, and he did Sling Blade and actually sent Billy Wilder a script thanking him for that advice. Because like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, you play to your strengths. You write the story that you want to be in and that, you know, for those roles that you would love to take but can't get in the door, you know, make your own role, make your own door. Right. Not only did he write for his own experience having grown up in Arkansas, he literally wrote parts for people from his life, like his childhood friend who plays the shop owner. Wendell Rafferty is Billy Bob Thornton's like childhood friend and was not an actor when he was cast in this role because the role was specifically written for him. So he wrote every part with someone in mind except for the kids part. That's cool. I'm, it's hard to tell because they've definitely got the Arkansas vibe down. They don't look polished and like established movie stars or whatever, but they fit in so nicely. It's like that makes perfect sense. How acty do they have to be? This movie has a bunch of has a bunch of people that are otherwise recognizable yet fit firmly into this world. Uh, Dwight Yoakam not exactly known for his acting chops, and then you get the less obvious ones like Billy Bob Thornton's real friend John Ritter, who I never would have expected in this movie. And he's uh, he's kind of an outsider in this movie. Got the awkward frosted tipped hair and like his body posture. He never quite feels comfortable in his skin or in his, or in this context. Yeah, he fits in this role because Vaughn doesn't really fit where he lives exactly. in rural Arkansas. Exactly. Yeah, it's only friends that would allow Billy Bob Thornton to give him that haircut. Apparently, he was pretty mad. He had to go and film some PSA or something right after the shoot. <sighs> And he got that dumb haircut. And so whatever that PSA was, he had to wear a hat. Oh, yeah. He'd probably have to explain that one. But the frosted tips were a thing, yeah. especially in the mid-90s. Yep. But let's go back to this fascination or thing you've got for Deep South characters. Like, what is that about? I don't know if it's South. It's just the it's long been my belief that the Southern accent or the country accent. I don't know that those are the same thing. Maybe the easiest one to affect uniquely American in a way. And lots of people romanticize it. You know, it probably spins off from the Western. Western is the most unique American movie genre. It's what, something that's exactly specific to America. And I don't know, I like Americana music and, and things, but it's not where I would even kind of remotely want to live. 
It doesn't look like the most pleasant existence to me. It seems like everything that Frank has to go through with his with his poor mom and Doyle is the typical type. Doyle is the king of backwoods, backwater Arkansas, where the mm-hmm. only hero that you could possibly hope for in your life is not one of the dudes who are, you know, trucking around doing their thing, but someone like Carl, who is comes from an unexpected place. I hear you. It's very much a look into a world that's foreign to us and the characters feel so authentic billy bob's performance feels authentic although it's really when you when you step back and think about billy bob thornton's performance it's really weird like it's so unique he's so committed to it his performance is so odd why don't we laugh at it like why do we accept it for what it is apparently john ritter didn't know what the Carl persona was. They he was cast, he they did they ran through all the lines, they did a lot of rehearsal, and he didn't do the character. So a lot of Vaughn in the movie is is John Ritter trying not to laugh at his friend when he saw the revelation of the Carl persona. It's weird because it's a very strong performance that maybe only Billy Bob can do. I mean, you talk about Edward Norton, who's a perfectly capable actor, and he his kind of breakout role was Primal Fear, where he played a slow, dare I say, R-worded type, right? And then and he was all of a sudden broke through and, and like, oh, this guy has chops because he was playing slow, but he wasn't slow. And then he came to be in the score with De Niro and Marlon Brando. So he does this thing where he affects also that kind of primal fear, slow persona, but he switches it on and off because it's a gimmick. And people said that that pulled back the curtain on this kind of acting uh, in a way that breaks the illusion so to mm. see Billy Bob Thornton actually who he is, and he never breaks character or anything in the movie like that, Mm-mm. but you watch him on Inside the Actor's Studio or something, and they're like, can you still do the face? Can you still do the voice? And he's like, yeah, but it hurts. It sucks. Well, good thing he, good thing Carl Childers is a man of few words. Yeah, and he's hunched, and supposedly Billy Bob put broken glass into his shoes to affect and maintain that walk for That's authenticity. Right. It's unnecessary, but it's also commitment because this is his show. You know, it's his movie. He wrote it, directed it, starred in it, and he has to distinguish himself from a million oh, others. This is just like The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yes, except done really effectively. You can't deny that this movie is a stroke of genius filmmaking, at least for me, that all the weird gambles and all the weird choices pay off immensely. So you see Billy Bob Thornton and you're like, that dude is kind of a chameleon. Uh, I've heard Gary Oldman likened in the same way. You can't tell if Billy Bob Thornton or Carl or any of his other characters, sometimes they're fat, sometimes they're thin, sometimes they're normal, sometimes they're like Carl, all just it out and you're like who's the real dude and so when you hear billy bob thornton talk it's it was jarring for me that he wasn't anything like carl it's so transformative and chameleonic that it's maybe only something that he could do i'm not saying that billy bob thornton is one of my favorite actors or that he smells bad it's just if this is going to be the performance that that jump starts his career i think it's deserved i think it makes sense whereas no one is beating down jim cummings's door after the wolf of snow hollow you sure about that Yes. We're heading to award season. How much you want to bet that the Wolf of Snow Hollow will go completely overlooked? Not by the independent spirit crowd. Ugh, okay. But uh, Billy Bob Thornton, I mean, this dude won Best Original Screenplay, Best Adapted. 
I guess it's adapted because from, uh, you know, because he had his short film. But still, right. that's it's all coming from him the same year that the Coens won for Fargo, for God's sake. Oh, they won for original? Yes. Hmm. Dark year. But great year. And then, of course, he came, I guess, was in the lead role in Fargo, the show, which I never saw, which I want to see. Yeah. Good show. People like it for some reason. Who wants to live in Minnesota? Sorry, Minnesotans, all our Minnesotan listeners. But who? nobody wants to live there. <laughs> I know people who want to live there. But we have this fascination with this world. And the yes. same people, you know, who want to live in Arkansas. Who wants to live in Minnesota? My friend Kyle. Shout out to Kyle the girl. Best of luck, Kyle the girl. They have uh, hamster runs uh, in the mall where you go from place to place in the mall through these human tubes so you never have to go outside because Minnesota at all times in the winter is trying to kill you. It's not fit for human survival. <laughs> it is only man's innovation that allows humans to live in a place that is unsuitable to sustain human life. For only part of the year. Um, I don't know. People love it. People love Arkansas. But you can't deny that Billy Bob Thornton is an acting talent. Carl Childers may have kickstarted his career, but he has since received lots of accolades for his, his acting. He has gotten Emmys and Golden Globes, like, and even as recent as his series Goliath on Amazon. I like Billy Bob Thornton. He seems to be a talented guy. No one says a word about him. He didn't get caught up in Me Too. Apparently he's, he's a kind person. He just was a little bit jerky when someone wanted to talk about his movie star career when he was trying to make his way as a musician. I actually saw him. He opened for somebody or other at the Greek theater. Oh, really? Yeah, just just you know by happenstance. I don't even remember who he was opening for. What was he like? He was like he's kind of growly. He's a blues musician and sang a song called Angelina that I don't remember anything about except he was like Angelina. Really? I mean about Angelina Jolie, his ex-wife, I assume. Yeah, right. But I mean, this was a long. This was like in the late '90s. Yeah. <laughs> Random. At the Greek, back when they were theaters. Wow, what was that like? I remember. I remember those days. One day we'll, we, we will return to those days. He was nominated for A Simple Plan. Great movie. Great movie. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Who also, um, what's his face, was also in that? Brent Briscoe, yeah. And remember there was another actress who who's long dead. I can't remember her name. What was her name? Bridget Fonda. I want to see that movie again. She's just gone. Poor Bridget Fonda. I mean, not poor. She, I'm great. She's having a great time. She's married to Danny Elfman, I assume. But it's a shame. You know, we lost uh, Bill Paxton and stuff. But there are other people who could still be acting and they're just not. Um, you know what role, what role I always think of when I think of Billy Bob other than Sling Blade? It's not Armageddon? No, but did he also cap his teeth for Armageddon? Like I like don't know. Ben I mean, Affleck? he's a little bit juddy toothy. But I'm, I'm guessing you're going with... Not Pushing Tin. Hang on. I know what it is. I just had it. Pushing Tin was where he met Angelina Jolie. Johnny. Johnny Tyler Tombstone. <laughs> where are you going with wow. that shotgun? Oh, such great roles. I mean, he was a small, he wasn't really known as well then, but he was about to be. Because Tombstone was, what, 93? And he gets bitch slapped in that movie. Yep. But, but look at him in Tombstone. He's kind of strangely chunky. And you're like, what's happening? Yeah, he was a little chunkster. So that was, but pretty... I'm not. I'm not sure if he was. I think he might just be like Pufferfish, Billy Bob Thornton, or something, where he does this <laughs> thing where he looks different. Maybe he was just instead of jutting the chin out, he was like holding it in and making his face look a little fuller or something. That's a great role. He also plays a great role in Monsters Ball opposite Holly Berry. 
for which she won her Academy Award. But I actually think of um, like, especially when I think of Americana and this cowboy thing, like Billy Bob Thornton is what Europeans think of like all American cowboy because they cast him as the president <laughs> of the United States of America in Love Actually. He is, I think, pretty fitting and he's smarmy and he knows it. He knows that he looks a little bit seedy and kind of gross. He, you know, he's Billy Bob Thornton is not polished, doesn't lend itself well to him. Right. I mean, he was bad Santa and I don't think he changed anything. I don't think they dressed him down to play bad Santa. No, I think they just put a cigarette in his mouth and a Santa hat on his head. Yeah, you're great. It's good to go. You know, we'll save the save, save costuming and make up some money. And look, I've talked before about how he's a funny looking dude, how how it seems like he smells bad, but it's all jokes. I, I like the guy. I think he's talented. Uh, I think he kind of maybe to Billy Wilder's point fits in specific applications. And when he's there, it's great. Uh, president is kind of a stretch, but these days, not much, not much of a stretch. Nope. But I feel like we're not talking about much about Sling Blade because this is, is it just easier to criticize a movie and there's not much to criticize in Sling Sling Blade? Well, there's a lot to point to. His weird performance, all the things he did that could seem like they're gimmicky, except that Carl looks and sounds and moves like a monster, like the guy who would murder his own mom and isn't. This movie looks like the backwoods good old boy let's go see sling blade it's a movie about us we love it and it's not it's about understanding forgiveness it's about prejudice it's about you know homophobia and mental disabilities and things and how none of that matters to frank and none of it really matters to carl He knows what he has to deal with, and he acknowledges that Vaughn maybe isn't someone that he was groomed or grown or raised to understand. But he says, I I don't reckon you got to lay with women to be a good daddy to a boy, right? Just this movie exists as an outlier of not what people were expecting. So people didn't expect Billy Bob's performance. It was a very original character at the time. Um, Although it's kind of weird to say that it's a totally original character because Carl Childers was kind of in the zeitgeist with Forrest Gump, right? Not preceding it by very long. And so in retrospect, this movie would seem like it hits all the beats. I mentioned Sling Blade because I sat Kelly down and made her watch it not too long ago. And you were like, Sling Blade, like boring or something. Hmm. Was was this the first time? Maybe. Because I... I was looking and waiting for anything that I remembered. I was waiting for any scene where I was like ahead of it because I had seen it before. And that really didn't happen except when Frank says, you know, not funny, haha, funny, queer. I was like, oh my gosh, that I know. Where did that come from? I mean, there was, I think there was a weird time in my life, probably around the mid nineties where I didn't want to sully my mind with bad movies or bad music and stuff and I feel like I missed this movie because of that I feel like I missed Pulp Fiction so I think this came out around the time where I was like this isn't an edifying piece of entertainment or something and I'm just gonna bypass it for now and then 30 years later and I'm like it's really fantastic I mean the whole thing is just I don't know a better word than to say authentic the characters feel so real I mean if you want to tell a story about a sympathetic killer sling blades kind of it right except there are plenty of deadbeat dad boyfriends yes 
did Doyle really deserve to die? I don't know that he deserved to die, but I think that Carl didn't have designs on killing him until that moment. You said he was a sympathetic killer or something to that effect, and and that's how people perceive him, including Frank's mom and the girls that interview him at the top. But that's what follows him because of his actions. I don't think he's a killer, necessarily. I don't know that Carl has any motivations. He walks from place to place. The only thing, his possessions are his clothes and his books. And he'll decide when he gets to the Tasty Freeze what he wants to eat and not until then. He will decide where he's going to sleep when it's time to sleep or he will sit on that stump all day or on the edge of the bed. And it just when it comes down to it, did Doyle deserve to die? No, but looking ahead in the limited way that Carl can, when he knows that Frank is never going to get a chance, when his mom is never going to be able to get away from Doyle, maybe it's time for Doyle to die. And thus, Carl, in some weird way, finds his only purpose. I mean, is he a whiz with small machines and engines? Sure, but that's not going to be enough. Anybody can do that. Maybe not anybody, but he didn't want to be in the world, didn't want to be part of the world. So he found his way to serve his function in the world, and then he can go back to where he's happiest. And then he affects his own small change by telling J.T. Walsh to piss off. We end in the same place where we begin, but the character has changed. He's no longer willing to to just be the, the sounding board for this guy's stories and confessions and stuff, but he... I don't know that he's motivation driven, but he's certainly conscious of the decisions he makes. And he certainly premeditates Doyle's murder, but he wants to be baptized and it's sudden and it's and he's got conviction about it because he knows that he's going to sacrifice his himself and his soul for Frank by killing Doyle. And he so and he's anticipating that and he wants to get baptized before he does i've never i've seen this movie multiple times it has never occurred to me that him wanting to be baptized is connected to the murder he knows he's going to commit well doesn't it make sense yeah absolutely and it seems like he was destined for bad things after he killed his mom in a constantine kind of way and now he's getting back on the straight and narrow even though he's going to do it again I'm reminded that back in the day, this was in some way likened to a backwoods Jesus parable. (laughs) That he is obviously flawed, is sent into the world unwittingly, unwillingly, and unwittingly to be sacrificed for a function. And he does that and goes right back to where he came from because his purpose was fulfilled. I don't know. It's pretty thin. And I honestly don't care. I don't, it doesn't have to be a thing, but it just seems like you could go back in time and tell your pastor, hey, this one kind of applied and (laughs) you shouldn't have kept me from it. (laughs) Well, he, it wasn't prescriptive. He didn't say specifically I couldn't watch Sling Blade. And maybe I'm, maybe because of my background, I'm reading into it, but it seems like his wanting to be baptized is spontaneous. So spontaneous that he needs to burst into Linda's bedroom in the middle of the night. If it's not premeditated, he's definitely thinking things through and maybe the locks don't fall all fall into place until the moment he decides to sharpen the lawnmower blade but the fact of the matter is that regardless of how premeditated Doyle's murder might be we see it coming from the moment we meet Doyle and it's the climax the whole movie is mounting toward like Carl only knows one thing his life 
experience outside of the institution is very limited. And it's very likely that he will use the same problem solving skills that he used previous if he's back out in the outside world. I mean, it's all we, they set it up with the report with the reporter in the first act. The moment you meet Doyle, you know, it's going to happen. Like, even if Carl doesn't know yet, we know. And maybe we can read into it and say it's a sacrifice or it was Carl's purpose in life and that he is the savior that he that Frank and Linda were waiting for or whatever. And in that way, yes, I think we all saw it coming. And the movie, it, this isn't a twist movie, right? We knew it way before him sharpening the lawnmower blade, especially when he bursts into the room and the lighting guy, the who is it, the gaffer, uses that, if you'll excuse the pun, heavy-handed lighting to illuminate the hammer <laughs> he was wielding. And it builds and builds and it's ominous and suspenseful, even if we know what's coming, because we don't know how he's going to do it. And Doyle is kind of a monster. Doyle is the monster that people perceive Carl as having the potential to be. And you have the innocence of people like Frank and his mom, who's like, no, he just likes the way he talks. And he doesn't seem like, oh, that was you that murdered your mother. I remember that. No big deal. Sleep out in the shed. Yeah, how do you feel about Linda? Because she seems like the person in real life and the kind of character that you despise. I'm, I'm yeah. assuming you do not condone her decisions to let Carl sleep out in the garage. She serves the purpose of allowing that Carl can be a good guy, which I think we, I mean, I personally didn't come into this movie once he's out of the institution be like, oh man, Carl's a bad dude. He seems lovable. Who's just too slow for his own good. When his passions get the better of him, when he was a little kid, he did a horrible thing, but I needed Linda to, and, and I obviously didn't, in comparison to Doyle, I didn't want her to be a bad person. She, she isn't. She just has terrible relationship navigation abilities and maybe she i mean she knows what's best frank is her stakes and she knows that she doesn't want to be in that situation repeatedly tries to break up with doyle but can't get away because she's trapped so in that way she's not like reprehensible she's just sort of stuck well don't you think she exercises some pretty bad judgment letting a known murderer sleep in her garage and like letting her son like hang around with this dude? Sure, but it's the lesser of two evils and and Carl is the JC. <laughs> okay, you know my favorite part and then yours, okay? My favorite part in this movie, they're all sitting around the table at Vaughn's house. And Vaughn's like, "I've had a couple glasses of wine, but I just have to say this." I really care about everybody sitting at this table. <laughs> and it's so delightfully awkward. And it's the most dysfunctional family. This is the family that Vaughn has pieced together in Arkansas. Yes. And I don't know, something about it was just so charming and sweet. He's just like moved to, to share like how much he cares about them because we care about them. I can't get away from the most memorable scene, which is the, well, A, the, the music party, the hoedown, oh, and, yeah. and and the discussion. What's his name? the modern day poet. And you would understand. And oh. he said, and like in poetry, you put dot, dot, dot. Oh, man. It's the worst so after party. The, the most awkward party ever. The medulla oblongata. And, and then Doyle goes nuts and he's like, I'm the only sane person here. And the whole yeah. time Carl sits there motionless. Get out of my face, you old buzzard. 
and uh, yells at the neighbor during their hoedown and stuff. One of those kids is is Dwight Yoakam's kid, Doyle Yoakam or something. I think those were all Doyle Yoakam. Yeah, they were but all, all talented musicians. Yeah, exactly. They were all musicians, and yet their music was so perfectly bad. Like, it's actually hard if you're good to play that crappy, right? Yeah, I don't know. That drummer just right off the bat plays like the worst riff. You're like, oh, yeah. it's painful. The whole movie is kind of, I, I imagine that if you come in and you're a good old boy and you're expecting something different, it's not what you wanted. Sling Blade is, defies expectation, I think, for the time and convention pretty much across the board. It was great. And I imagine it's one of your totalies. Sling Blade for the kind of movie that it is, is, yeah, totally. I It's kind of unpleasant to watch. It's a little bit awkward in some ways, but there's nothing that it doesn't push forward in a way that I find admirable. I actually hadn't considered what review I would give to this movie until just this moment. And it is a totally, which is in some strange way surprising to me. It's a great Hollywood story for Billy Bob Thornton. It is a well-acted, cast, directed, written, shot movie. I mean, it's all-around quality filmmaking, and it's all kind of the more impressive, knowing that it was made for, you know, a million bucks, not far from Billy Bob Thornton's hometown in Arkansas, which is kind of amazing when you really think about it. But, I mean, biscuits with mustard. I love mustard, but I, I, I definitely... On biscuits? Um, just biscuits mm, no in order to make that a little bit better you could maybe add honey and then at least you have honey mustard biscuits <laughs> i don't i don't know that that makes it better i'm just making it worse <laughs> yes because i like honey and i like mustard but i don't like them together yeah although those sniders of hanover pretzels are pretty bomb see there's an exception to every rule sling blade the honey mustard pretzel of independent <laughs> movies uh and there you got it. A totally from Wes and a good, although I don't think I had said it until now, from Iris. No surprise there. 818-835-0473 is our hotline. Call us up. Leave us a voicemail. Email us or whatever movies at gmail.com. Thanks, patrons. Yes. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your patronage. And if you have other movies that you would like for us to review, we know you have movies that you would like for us to review. So let us know what they are. Thank you for listening to our review on Sling Blade. We'll see you next time. Girl, do you like that? I reckon. I wish you'd all lay off for tonight. I can't hear myself think for that racket. Hey! Well, well it's nighttime. You let hey! I'm calling the police. I told you three times already. The law's on my side. I play cards with J.D. Shellnut, chief of police, so kiss my ass, you little bastard. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. 
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.